0: For the final kilometers, we have clouds of red dust following the car. We're in the back seat and we constantly hit our heads against the ceiling every time the car hits a hole in the road. The view alternates between open, dry landscapes and small villages with long lines of stores that are all made of small containers on both sides. We're five hours from the house in Tamale. And if we go just 10 kilometers too far, we'll go out of Ghana and cross the border to Burkina Faso. But our destination is here, in a village in the most northern Ghana. By the way, my name is Caroline Nørkjær.
1: And my name is Anders Gulberg
0: For two weeks, we have been traveling around Ghana gathering hours and hours of recordings.
1: All to tell
2: you a bunch of stories about the group of people that are being called Africa's biggest challenge. Africa's young people.
0: The African continent has the fastest growing youth population in the world.
2: At this moment no less than 60% of Africans are under 24.
0: But are Africa's millennials just a ticking time-bomb?
2: Or do they also have the potential to move Africa forward?
0: This is the first episode and it's about technology. About the opportunities that technology has given Africa and how young entrepreneurs have started creating digital solutions to some of the local problems in Ghana. And that story starts all the way up here, in the most northern part of Ghana. We stop the car and get out at a small farm. Both the house and the stable are made of clay, and there are goats, chicken, and children walking side by side. A whole group of farmers, all with big smiles, welcome us. In the shadow of a tree, they put up four plastic chairs for the guests and a small wooden bench for themselves.
2: <laughs>
0: but just as we think they were excited to see us, we realize that it's in fact the young woman we have with us they're smiling at.
3: Prima, can you take me a picture with a lot of the cattle behind? How many
0: of them should be?
3: I, I never knew what it means to be an entrepreneur, honestly.
0: <laughs> this is Alima.
3: Technology is Africa today. And the future of Africa is technology. That I am sure of. Okay.
0: Alima is one of Africa's young entrepreneurs in the tech business. She's the creator of the app Cow Tribe which brings animal vaccinations to farmers in the outskirts of Ghana. The app has improved the living conditions of the farmers by preventing many deaths among their animals.
3: Let me just explain how the card and the app works. For every farmer that registers, we give this card.
0: Now one of the farmers takes out something that looks like a credit card and shows it to us.
3: So a farmer can take this card to any agent who has a float or mobile money wallet to put money into the card. And that money cannot be withdrawn except for the vaccines. So when a vet is attending to deliver the vac- vaccines, he asks for your card, put it behind the phone, sees all the data um, you are asking for. Mm. So what it means is that it is very transparent and a vet cannot come to dupe of um, any excess money or to sell vaccine be above the approved um, cost. So immediately after delivering the, the, the vaccines to the animals, he takes a card and taps it to the mobile phone.
0: It is in many ways a strange sight seeing Ghanaian farmers with their cow tribe cards in the hands while the so-called community agent scans them with a smartphone to order the vaccinations. But it's also a site that really illustrates the development that's happening in Ghana and in all of Africa in these years. Because Africa is in the middle of what many would call a digital revolution. The access to technology such as internet connection and smartphones has exploded in the past years in nigeria for example 50 percent of the citizens are online 10 years ago that number was 10 percent and there is a huge wave of young digital entrepreneurs who take advantage of this development and who are already coding their way to a better life for millions of african citizens Very often, they create new digital solutions to old problems. It could be an app that lets schools in underprivileged areas lease books on their mobile phones. It could be a digital guide for midwives in the countryside on how to handle a complicated birth. Or it could be a rental system of solar panels for private people And Alima, the woman we are with here in Northern Ghana, has also started her business because she felt the struggles of one specific problem. This happened in the countryside where she grew up, far away from the modern world of technology.
3: I, I was born into a livestock family, mostly the, um, my grandmother and I kept chicken, which was our major si- um, source of livelihood. Um, we sold this chicken to buy food, pay my school fees and every other um, household need. But at at a point, um, we lost this chicken within a spate of three days to a disease that we didn't know. But now I have a better understanding that it was Newcastle. And it, it was so devastating for us because the result of it was for my grandmother and I to sleep two days without food. And subsequently I had to leave school and go to people's farms so I could weed and get paid and to enable me to pay my school fees and we can also get food for the house. And this was just when I was 10 years old.
0: When Alima is 14 years old, her grandmother dies. Even though she has other family, Alima has to take care of herself a lot. When she gets the opportunity to have an education, she chooses to become a journalist.
3: And so during my um, years of practicing as a journalist, I did a lot of community work. Um, I helped develop a radio program, which was focused on agriculture and documenting the lives of rural women on uh, great agri- education and health, along with their children.
0: Alima works as a journalist for seven years. In her work, she comes face to face with the problems that the rural people of Ghana are struggling with. And she recognizes the problem of dying animals.
3: When you come to Northern region Ghana, you would find that a child's livelihood is dependent on the life of an animal. And there are cases when an animal dies, you can have a child that goes hungry for days that might drop out of school, might not have the proper health care because the family depends on the goat or the sheep to sell and to take care of the child. And so I kept thinking what could I have done to change the plight of these people aside from just providing them information. The reality dawned on me that there was a need for me to do something different aside from just working on information.
0: One day, Alima meets the man who would become her business partner. Just like her, he's from a family of farmers.
3: His his story isn't so much different from mine because they also had a problem of mortality. And it was that terrible that they also lost their uh, livestock. And he couldn't pay his university fees because he was already in the university then. He couldn't pay his university fees and had to drop out.
0: Alima and her partner start a company that sends vets out to farmers. But it doesn't take long until they run into obstacles. The distances they had to
3: cover in a day was just too much. But the money they get from the farmers was so little because you have a farmer who is calling about 20 or 50 kilometers away, or more than 200 kilometers away, and you have a vet to go attend to the person, the time of traveling, the cost of fuel, the risk of traveling, only for you to go, and the services you deliver is just to attend to one animal, which was as a result of emergency. And there we thought that we could work on vaccines, because just like humans, um, I remember some years back, polio, measles, and pneumonia used to kill a lot of children in Africa but because of vaccines um, we no longer have these uh, deaths. We have almost eradicated these diseases. So um, we we did agree vaccines was the way to go but of course it required a lot of thinking, a lot of uh, planning, a lot of strategy, how to execute
0: it. One thing is planning and execution is another. Because the farmers lived so far away, sending a vet with the vaccinations was simply too costly in time and fuel. They needed a way to make the vaccinations cheaper for each farmer.
3: So eventually, we, we just thought that, why don't we leverage on um, technology?
0: In the end, a Alima's solution is in mobile phones. Undersea broadband cables from Europe and the Middle East, cheap smartphones from China and local telecom companies. This has all contributed to the fact that Africa today has more than 300 million smartphones. And that number is expected to rise to 1 billion already in 2025. In addition to that, Even the spreading of the regular mobile phone has made a big difference. This development is called leapfrogging. The simple fact that you leap across old technologies and business models. This is what happened with the mobile phones that have leaped ahead across both the computer and the landline phone. And the mobile phones are being used a lot and for many different purposes. For example, 63% of the world's users of mobile money live in Africa. In Ghana, 70% of people have a mobile phone. This means that most farmers have access to one. And this is what Alima takes advantage of.
3: So in a household you can have a mobile phone which belongs to either uh, a husband or a wife or a son or a daughter. So, we could leverage on that, get the data of um, farmers, that will help us to plan um, more appropriately and to put the resources together. Strangely, I, I don't know a bit. I don't know anything about coding. My partner doesn't know anything about coding. It was harder than we thought because it also boils down to the naivety that we went into it just to be a vet company and not adding the technology bit of it. But um, at a point, we had to split roles and he had to focus more on technology. So he went to learn um, some basics about coding because he had to monitor what work was being done.
0: In the end, Alima and her partner hired a professional programmer to help them develop the app. And precisely this, Being good at programming is in huge demand in Africa. They don't need willpower or ideas. They need technicians. Back in Accra, we meet a man who dedicated himself to change this.
2: My name is Richard Brines. I'm the founder of Code Train. Um, At a coding school in Ghana, that transforms people into professional app developers.
0: When we step into Codetrain's little classroom, it could sound like a lot of emails were being typed. But it's code being written at lightning speed. Across the room, the young students are working on their own projects before the class begins. Richard is a young entrepreneur himself. He got the idea for code train less than two years ago.
2: Globally, everything is becoming digitized, Um, and there's a lot of jobs, opportunities. Like everywhere you go, there is um, so many jobs in IT that don't get filled. Like companies are always looking to hire people in IT, Um, and then. At the same time, around me, there, there isn't much opportunity for people, much people here uh, in Ghana and most of Africa. Um, we have the biggest youth population um, in the world, and that figure is expected to double by 2050. Um, that is like huge, like it's a huge resource, um, but we, there hasn't been much effort into turning that into a strength. Uh, I was doing a lot of consulting. Um, for companies, building apps for them. Um, But then I just put everything aside and decided to just start a school to train people.
0: Richard started out with a very small class of only a handful of students. And the teaching took place in his own kitchen.
2: I mean, when I took the decision, what really um, inspired me was the students, because um, they, I started this at um, One Apple Square. It's um, it's probably one of the best businesses business addresses. And then I suddenly moved to you know a kitchen, you know my kitchen. And the students they didn't mind. They were like, oh yeah, yeah. Let's even we even feel more comfortable here. Yeah, like we can learn more. You know, we can even cook. We can you know so. And then we had this table.
0: <laughs> Richard points to a white plastic table with four students around it.
2: This was the first table we bought for the school. Um, and I remember I went to town, I bought this table. It can sit about ten people if you squeeze. And then we got seven chairs. And then I had three other chairs. So it was about ten chairs. So we could, we could have about five or six students at that time. So um, yeah, so they kept coming, like the students. And then it got to a point, my kitchen became too small. So then um, we moved to like the whole apartment for the training. Yeah, so we were, I mean, because the number of students I kept increasing. And then we finally moved out um, and then rented a training room in town.
0: In just one year, Codetrain has grown enormously. Many young people want to learn how to code. Many of Codetrain's students have started their own companies or gotten jobs in established IT firms. One of the current students is Mika. He is almost through all of his training at Codetrain.
4: It's like the most busiest six months or five months in my life, in Ghana, it's code, code. And Richard doesn't want me to be jumping around. He wants me to be focused. So all I do is coding, coding.
0: Mika already knew a bit about computers and coding, but he has developed his abilities into more types of coding during his time at code Train, And he's done several projects on his own.
4: I like coding at night, late night when it's quiet so mostly I come here at 11 or 12 and stay here till 6 or 7 go home and continue coding
0: but Mika is actually a bit different from his co-students in fact he traveled all the way from Gambia a small country in West Africa to Ghana to attend Train's classes
4: in Gambia tech is not advanced like I've seen it here in Ghana.
0: Even though the digital development takes place in all of Africa, some countries are further ahead than others. In Kenya, they have Silicon Savannah and in Nigeria, it's Silicon Lagoon. But also South Africa, Egypt and Morocco have many tech companies and get the most investors. Ghana is rising too. And many believe that the capital, Accra, has the potential to become the next big center. In Mika's case, it was a necessity to leave Gambia to learn the skills he needed.
4: Yeah, that's a big difference. You have big companies coming here in Gambia. It's just like people are not really much interested in tech. Yeah, you only have a few people in tech, so... For some of them it's like magic, yeah, I've seen many people who when I just do something on computer it's like magic, wow, how did you do this? Some form of magic, I tell them no, it's not magic. I had the opportunity to go to South Africa, and Ghana or to the UK, but I chose Ghana so then I started searching about Ghana. Then I was searching for the um, schools in Ghana. Then I co- came across a um, co website. So I went through the website and I loved it. So I, I quickly sent Richard an email. So I was within the space of two weeks I am here. I came here.
0: Mika hopes to bring some of the tech scene with him back to Gambia.
4: Like Richard is doing, I'm also dreaming um, to help society like back home in Gambia. There are many people who could have been in my shoes doing this, but they don't have the opportunities.
0: With people like Mika, the tech wave could hopefully spread to all parts of Africa. And here in Ghana, Richard is hoping that Co Train's practical approach to learning will influence the education system.
2: My dream is to create um, a holistic teaching model um, that can disrupt like education here, to make education more practical and to provide the kind of education that gives people the skills to be able to um, get opportunities either starting your own businesses or um, getting job opportunities or creating jobs and solving problems I mean at the end of the day it's going to help make I mean Ghana and I mean basically Africa a better place
1: of the one you know, so how do you know the, like
2: the progress of the program?
0: Back in the countryside of northern Ghana, several of the farmers want to show us their animals. So we're taken on a tour of the community. Alima is in front, while we are a bit more careful as we approach a group of cows.
3: Follow him, if you follow him, you are safe.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The Cow Tribe app has drastically decreased the number of animals dying for these farmers. It has simply become easier and cheaper for them to vaccinate their animals. In the beginning, however, it was not exactly easy to convince the farmers of the potential of Cow Tribe. We hear that from Tony. He is Cow Tribe's community manager in this area. It's his job to implement the app around the region.
1: We want to build that trust. Me, first of all, I build the trust between the organization, our, our side, and then the farmers. Actually, it's, it's, it's really difficult convincing them to come on board. Because number one, uh, most of them are not dedicated. So explaining uh, how uh, the app or technology can help them in their farming, uh, It's a big problem, or it's a big challenge to us.
0: Tony often meets distrust among farmers who have previously had someone promise them something only to run away with their money.
1: So uh, what I do is that I tell them that, look, uh, I'm not disputing the fact that uh, people come in, maybe deceive you, go away with your money in the intense. But what I'm just pleading with you is, I'm just begging you, just give it a try. And let's see what happens and let's pick it up from there. Uh, so you just give me the benefit of the doubt and just trust me.
0: But when you have something as difficult to explain as an app that the farmers have to put their money into, it gets really hard to explain that they will get the vaccinations.
1: So I could remember I went to one community. Uh, they, they They told me that... Uh, they even wanted to beat me. That should go away. I shouldn't come there. Uh, I, I, it even got to a point that I I had to even give them uh, some of my boss's numbers to call to confirm uh, from them if uh, really they are aware of what is happening. I had to give him uh, our website, then uh, my boss's numbers to call them, and even the regional veterinary officer, Doctor Rashid. That day, he had to call Doctor Rashid for him to speak to them or to confirm that actually he's aware of cow tribe and uh, whatever activities that cow tribe they are undertaking. Uh, and after that, could you believe, the funny thing is that after doctors spoke to them, all of them enrolled, about 80-something farmers, they all enrolled onto the app. Uh-huh. So, uh, it's it's really challenging, it's really challenging, but it's worth it, It's it's, it's really worth it.
0: For the last part of the visit, one of the farmers have now started shaking a bowl of corn kernels. Suddenly, the goats are coming from everywhere, running through and around our legs. The farmer holding the bowl of corn sends us a proud look. He lured the goats here, just to show them to us.
3: All of them. <laughs> mm. So last year what happened and he lost
0: <laughs> During our whole visit, Alima has constantly paid attention to the farmers. She wants to know exactly how they use the app and what more they want from it. It's clear to us that this is not just a business to her. It's her life's work. And it has been two intense years since she and her partner started Tribe?
3: I wake up and every single minute I am with my my laptop. Even when I'm going out, I have my laptop everywhere. My friend, my family is my laptop. It's not just about making the money. If not, I would have been an um, employee somewhere. That is what I want to do. I want to find um, a solution to people's problems, make their lives better while I also make a living out of it.
0: Today, CowTribe has 30,000 registered farmers. Alima and her partner have plans to get more financing and extend CowTribe as much as possible.
3: We are looking at building a company for Ghana, for Africa, using Ghanaians, using Africans, and develop a product that understands the African uh, context and culture and sell it to the world eventually. We are starting very small, but it's it's, uh, scalable even at the global level. And we anticipate reaching one million farmers in the next five years, um, scaling into Burkina Faso, Mali and Niger. But our immediate growth plan is for us to quickly um, reach about 100,000 farmers in Ghana.
0: However, there are challenges to being an entrepreneur in Ghana.
3: There are no policies that support uh, the growth or the incubation of entrepreneurs here in Ghana. Um, Because the whole startup ecosystem is now beginning to gain its grounds just in about um, the past five years. So it is something very new that people
0: are learning to to, uh, understand. Alima is not the only one with this opinion. In fact, many experts say that political change is needed before Africa can really release its potential as a tech center. The biggest issues are lack of support for entrepreneurship, no sharing of experiences between companies and not enough local investors. But both Alima and the experts agree that it can succeed. And when it does, it will have a huge impact on Africa.
3: Technology has the power to increase the level of education that we are currently recording now. And when you have people educated or have much information about technology, then it gives them information that otherwise they wouldn't have gotten. In, in classrooms. Technology allows farmers, like cow tribe farmers, to access vaccines that otherwise they would not have access to. Imagine healthcare delivery is being improved with the use of drone, which is technology. I, I can imagine Africa growing to a point where everyone sits at the comfort of their homes and knows what is happening
0: in another place. When you ask Alima who will drive this development, there is no doubt in her mind. The young people. And they can do it.
3: Um, I think the youth of Africa have become more conscious, more desperate, and more proactive to problems.
0: We're reaching the end of our visit and we begin the 5 hours of bumpy ride back to Tamale. In the trunk we have a live rooster, a present from the farmers for Alima as a symbol of their gratefulness because she brought cow tribe into their lives. We're going back to Tamale, the fourth biggest city of Ghana. And further on the journey of getting to know Africa's millennials. This podcast is published by Ghana Friends and has received support from Sisu. It is produced by Anna Skulberg and Caroline Narkia. If you like our stories from Ghana, we can really recommend going there yourself, as there are many more stories than the ones we have told.